A priest, his brother, and a married guy walk into a podcast to discover the deepest truths of our day. If you're a seeker of ancient wisdom, interdimensional museums, and the Baltimore Catechism, then this is not the show for you. You're listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. And it starts right now. Episode number 57 of the Untitled Catholic Podcast. This is the most consistent this podcast has ever been. The more consistent we are, the less listeners we get. But that's okay, because we're back at it again with Father Sean, Nolan Reynolds, and another special guest, friend of the podcast, Dom Qualia. How is everyone doing today? Starting with Dom. We, we may is there a red line is it is it red it's red we're we're <laughs> yeah we're good. let's go for it yes all right we're yes. recording if we do this whole thing and then your audio doesn't come that's this is my last podcast <laughs> that's why i've been sure. trying to get out of this podcast for the last week so yeah, that's why I want to make sure. Yes, I see I see red. I'm seeing red. All right. Okay. You see red in either anger or recording. We don't, we'll find yeah. out. Maybe both. Yeah. Maybe both. A little of both. So, Dom, Dom, you're hanging in there. You're doing all right? Yes. I'm, yeah, I'm doing fantastic. I, uh, I'm still in my robe, so there's that. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's plenty of work to be done. I, I feel like I've been keeping pretty busy, and I, I don't know if I'm keeping myself busy to not go crazy or if there's really just, like, more work to be done in quarantine. But I feel like I'm doing, like, full work days. Because professionally, you wear, you wear many hats. Yeah, you're doing a lot of free work. You wear many hats professionally. You're a speaker, a musician. You help other musicians. You kind of you're a jack of all trades. Yeah, yeah, and the good news for me is that they uh, all of those industries have been equally destroyed by this virus. So I really did a, I did a good job <laughs> at kind of panning out, you know. <laughs> uh, well, that brings me to a, a question I have before we see how Nolan and Sean are doing. We we may not even ask because before <laughs> we asked Nolan how he was doing, he said pretty okay. So we won't elaborate. <laughs> It's all Which the, has it's really all the, been the answer for the past three or four weeks. So. Three or four, yeah, <laughs> exactly. How's everyone doing? Eh. But there, this is how much time I have on my hands. I re- It's a 17-page document. I read about nine of the pages, and it's called Scientists to Stop COVID-19. And it's basically a group of billionaires and scientists that have come up with a plan on the fastest way to go back to normal quote unquote so if this happens this is the movie that will be made from this is scientists to stop COVID-19 hmm. they're all probably in Jerry Jones's yacht somewhere and they're figuring out how to stop it so all that to say is their timeline seems a lot more realistic or I should say optimistic than Bill Gates so hopefully in like three months we're all just okay not pretty okay we're decent Mm, well said however my question is say you boil it down to four scientists when they make the movie who are we casting as the scientists Mm. 
I feel like Mark Ruffalo has to be one of them because he's in all these type of movies. He is Bruce Banner, so that makes sense. Mark Ruffalo. There would have to be there would have to be a female scientist as well. I'm sure there is on the panel. Jessica Chastain would probably be yes. in a movie like this. So Mark Ruffalo, Jessica Chastain, Nolan. You have anyone? Um, I was just gonna say Angela Bassett, but that might just be because I like Angela Bassett. <laughs> <laughs> also, also Mary Steenburgen, but Who's not that? as a scientist, just as that's Ted Danson's wife. It's also, a, it's in Back to the Future Three, an elf's uh, stepmom. Hmm. Yes. Buddy the elf. Buddy the elf. What's your favorite color? Oh, I, like I, I would cast Ray from Star Wars. I don't know her real name. Daisy Ridley. Oh yeah, she Daisy would be Ridley. Good. I, I would have Daisy Ridley as one of the scientists, and then I feel like just because Brad Pitt pretended to be Fauci on SNL, throw him in there too. Yeah, but he would have to pretend to be old because you need an old person for sure. Yeah, he would have to play a fake Fauci. Uh, then, 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 I think let's look at just. I would say Jessica Chastain, um, Bruce Banner, aka Mark Ruffalo, Morgan Friedman. Yeah. Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. No, you, I don't think you can have two older guys. And someone has to be like a hot shot, like rebel. Th- that sounds type. like what they'll call the second wave of this. Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Like would a hotshot, like call. rebel. Yeah. yeah. Good call. How about, all the guys, my... how about all the guys that played Bruce Banner? We'll put Eric Banner <laughs> yeah. in, too. No. All, Eric Banner, no. All previous Hulk actors are in the, the side. Oh, Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno, too. Lou Ferrigno. I'm a security I, guard. I, I could substitute Edward Norton for Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Or Ryan Gosling. Anything with Ryan Gosling in it is good. Let's just call a spade a spade here. Let's be honest, though. This concept for a movie is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why when I asked the question, there was 30 seconds of silence. <laughs> yeah, well, because you just said who would play the scientist, but you didn't tell us who the scientists were. No, I don't, I don't know who the scientists are. I don't know who the scientists are. I just read something are. that's in a secret group of scientists, but so how do we know about it if it's a secret? It's not secret at all. They... they, they they signed that was it. a headline that I read, trying to find... I could read the, the, uh, Dr. Thomas Cahill, Dr. Benjamin Kravat, Dr. Lynn Goldman. I could keep going. Akiko Ikawasaki. I'm saying those are mouth. top... That would be... That Ken Watanabe would play him. Ken Watanabe would play them, yeah. <laughs> That's, all right, that's perfect. So we're done here. We're done here. Moving <laughs> What's on. What's the article called? Yeah, so no, that no. I can maybe read this one then. I'll, I'll text it to everyone. You could even you could click a tracker. There's like a, a Google sheet that tracks all the different tests of antibodies and vaccines, and you could see where they're at in their phases. It's fascinating. I just have gotten to the point where I just assume things are never going to get back to normal. <laughs> so that one day... If things do go back to normal, I'll be like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. You'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah. But that's where I'm at right now. We're never getting back to normal. I'm always going to be living like this. Is somebody making like a, a coffee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that? <laughs> that was... It's either 
It so was thinking coffee is sharpening a pencil. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was way too long and consistent to be a fart. I can't believe, first of all, that, that it went that long, and I can't believe that's the first time you asked, because that, like the last two times we recorded, it was doing that. That's this bad boy right here. <laughs> what is that? Thing? I have not heard that. Not even in editing have I heard that. It's a home draft beer system. Interesting, huh? And it and it pours delicious, frosty, local brews, but. It does so with that loud noise every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fancy gadget you had there, Nolan. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I got it for free, too, because my dad didn't know how to use it, and he... um, (laughs) He didn't see the on button. (laughs) It had a bunch of accidents, like it, like... (laughs) blew up in his in his house and so he called and complained and they sent him a new one and then he found out he was just using it wrong so he gave me one so now we have two i didn't see anything come out of it is it like a pipeline it's it's like you you literally just hook up uh like a a small like a like it holds like four beers and it's like uh like a mini keg and you put that in there and yeah you hook the pipe up to the tap and as long as it's on and cold, you you got some cold self-poured beer. How about that? Okay. Look at that. See, you learned something new. And I, and honestly, if I didn't have the pandemic and the quarantine, I probably wouldn't have set it up. So there you go. There there we go. So that's why it was just pretty okay, not just okay. So that's, that's Nolan's silver lining of this whole thing. Is that was pre- able it's, to set up. it's pretty okay because it's empty right now. <laughs> so now it just goes yeah i was gonna say i didn't see anything pour out if dom if you had a silver lining of this pandemic so far what would it be mm. yeah i would say i uh, i fit into some of my bigger clothes now <laughs> <laughs> so i don't have to go shopping again <laughs> oh, so dom fits in his clothes nolan set up his beer thing Sean, what's yours? What's my silver lining? Yeah. Uh, Community is on Netflix. All right. There you go. Was it not before? So it's Back to the Future come Friday. Community was not on Netflix before. It just came on, I think, in the beginning of April. Oh, really? Yeah, they're throwing all kinds of stuff on because it's so weird to see how the entertainment industry has changed just because they know we're all at home. They started throwing stuff on there that wasn't on there before. Star Wars, the complete saga, will be on Disney Plus by May 4th. Oh, I've been waiting for that. I'm not really that interested in ever watching Rise of the Skywalker again. May the 4th be with you. Yeah, it's coming up. I, see, I, need to, I feel go. like I need to watch it again because it was such a blur. I kind of don't remember it. I just remember everything I heard people say about it. I, I feel like I need to see it again to figure out what I think about it. I'm with you. There's like two scenes I liked. So I'll just watch those. Yeah. <laughs> you just fast forward. Like the one of those scenes was when, when the guy just goes, okay. <laughs> that was my favorite part. <laughs> Lendo's like, we got to go over there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Um, I was going to say, Dom, what, what, was your, what was your life prior to this pandemic just just for the the i've been calling it the faithful 40 people that listen if you don't know who dom is how would you describe your your ministry prior to the pandemic 
Yeah, sure. So basically, my ministry is full-time itinerant. So I don't, I don't work at a parish. Uh, I live in Nashville. I don't work at a church here. Uh, full-time on the road. So normally every weekend and sometimes during the week too. So I could be doing like a parish mission, my uh, doing like a, a worship event with, you know, playing guitar for my, playing play bass guitar for my wife, um, but always on the road. So obviously this is a huge change just without the travel. It's like, you know, kind of, it kind of, like our whole thing is in-person ministry, like gathering with communities and praying in groups of people. So obviously that's not happening. So we're just finding other ways to do it now online. But that was, so it kind of brought my whole, my whole schedule to a screeching halt. But I, I guess it did that for everybody. But you can't, really, you, can't, you can't really do this part from home, you know? Yeah. Just curious, Dom, do, do you uh, see a silver lining in that? I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, answer, you answer the question for you, but like definitely... I think this has made us appreciate uh, the real live community and everything like that more. Um, but do, do you also see like a silver lining in being able to, in, in being forced to take this step back, look at some other creative ways and not do all those things that you were doing? Like specifically yeah. for the ministry. Yeah, well, it's, it's made me really appreciate like the gift that it is to gather in a community. I mean, I, I, I can't think of something I've taken more for granted than just the, the just the ability to gather with other believers and pray together. Like, once you can't do it, you're like, oh, it was kind of great to get together every week. You know, where most of us, hmm. a lot, not shouldn't say most of us, a lot of us kind of have to drag ourselves to some of those more like corporate gatherings. But I think I think at the end of this, you'll see people have a really like a really yearning for that. People will, you know, want to get back together. I mean, I guess it's going to take a little bit of time with, uh, you know, people being scared of getting sick and everything like that, but hopefully the silver lining at the end is that people can't wait to get back together and worship as a, as a community with a whole new zeal. You know, hopefully people will come back to church in, in huge numbers, realizing that, that they've been away from something that they need, you know? Um, but f- mm-hmm. for me, the slowing down has been, has been allowed me to just like refocus what I want to do. Like, I think I just got so busy, so caught up in the moment and you kind of have to constantly be churning out stuff and producing stuff. And now I just get to think, um, okay, what do I really actually want to spend my time doing? Like now, now that I don't just have to busy myself, I can focus on like, hey, what if I just pick two projects for the year and just do those two projects as best I can? Like why do I have to try to squeeze in a million things? So I think what you'll see hopefully is, you know, content will be better. Like ministry will just be better as people, basically the entire, I hate to use the word industry because it's not, but you know, you know what I mean when I say that though. The mm-hmm. entire group of people who do ministry sort of as their profession, we've all just, we all are having more time off than we've ever had before. You know, no one, mm-hmm. no one in, in itinerant ministry can take five months off. But now we have a break right. to actually pray and kind of reassess where God's calling us, you know. I've always felt too, like, um, this is the real gift of it for me. I'll just give you a direct answer. The silver lining for me is the opportunity to kind of recalibrate, you know what I mean? Because, um, it's it, you know like I've heard it said before that like on a spiritual journey or really on any kind of journey, if if you're if you're gonna get knocked off course, let's say in in the spiritual realm, let's say like the enemy is trying to knock us off course, right? Well, if you're on a long journey, the enemy is not gonna like knock you off course 180 degrees all at once because it'd be too obvious, and you would recognize it, and your friends would recognize it, and they'd point it out and say, hey, you're off course. But if the enemy just comes in just with a little bit of a little nudge, just slowly, mm-hmm. bit by bit, and you start getting off by, 
a half a degree at a time. Well, over the course of a long journey, you're going to miss your goal by a long shot. You know what I mean? And so, like, like if, if, if I, next time I'm on a plane, hopefully it's soon, next time I'm on a plane, if, if, if I'm on a three-hour flight and the pilot just tilts the wheel like a half a centimeter every 10 minutes, I'm not going to notice. But we're definitely going right. to miss the runway when we get there. You know what I mean? And it's the same. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same just in life in general. Like, you got to keep recalibrating to make sure you're on the right path. So that's just what I've been trying to do during this break is just get, get back in with, with, with my sense of what God's calling me to do and make sure I'm still going in the right direction, you know? Cool. Absolutely. And what are the, some of the things that you're doing to kind of stay fresh, so to speak? Meaning like when, you're, when it is time to go back out that you're right where you want to be ready to minister. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm trying, to not, I'm trying not to get rusty. Like uh, being an effective communicator is kind of a muscle, you know? So I find myself still like working out how I would communicate something. If, if there's like an idea I'm working on, I'll just like stand in my office and pretend like I'm sharing it with people. And I'll tell, I'll even, like I'll practice the joke. And obviously there's silence, which is not all that different from when I'm telling it live, obviously. But like, <laughs> you just keep that muscle sharp, you know? I've seen you talk live. I can, I can say that that's true. I might have been the only one who laughed. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, never th- I never say, oh, the joke didn't land. I say, oh, they didn't get it, you know? It's never, it's never my fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm smarter not. than them. Yeah, but honestly, I've just been reading a lot. Like, I'm one of those guys who loves to pretend that I read, but it doesn't make its way into my normal day. And I've, like, I've actually been reading. I've got this whole bookshelf full of, like, books that people have given me as gifts. I'm like, I should probably be able to, you know, say something about it. Yeah, dust up. The, get them ready. Yeah. And then you come on a mediocre podcast to just, to just practice talking and chatting. So all that to say is you're welcome. Yeah, mediocre's yeah. kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're actually. Uh, I would. I would describe. I would describe this pi- podcast as pretty okay. Pretty okay. Yeah. <laughs> like if I could use two words to describe this podcast, it'd be pretty okay. But one, if you have to listen, you won't be disappointed. But if you go without listening, you won't be disappointed either. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good, that's a really good commercial for this. It's it's really gonna make Dom want to come back during all this. Yeah. <laughs> well, so far with two of our two of our guests, they want to come back. So we'll see if Dom's part of that. Percentage. I can't imagine anybody not wanting to come back, but we haven't finished yet, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot just can wait. go wrong. A lot yeah. can go wrong. Which is a perfect segue to the main topic that I was curious about. Mm. And I had talked to Dom about it separately and kind of separately to Father Sean as well. I haven't heard Nolan's take on it. But it was it kind of came out as a big thing, especially with Bishop Barron, that Governor Cuomo had made this statement that when numbers were going well, that god didn't do it that faith didn't do it but we as americans and specifically new yorkers got the numbers down um and i just found that very curious because one i don't i didn't see the whole press briefing so i'm not sure if the question or if that statement came from a question or if something happened that he had said that but it's kind of a weird way to communicate especially in this time where I think people are relying on faith more so than maybe ever. 
I guess Dom, what what are what would you say to go to if if Governor Cuomo said that to you, how would you respond? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I would have responded. I really liked Bishop Barron's response. Uh, I didn't hear him say that, but I did see it. I think somebody like tweeted it, and it just doesn't. It's just a, it. It didn't read well to me. And, and I guess I, I'm starting with that to say like maybe I'm a little bit biased because when when I read, you know, again I didn't like hear him say it, but I read it, and when I read the quote, it just didn't. It didn't. I didn't like it. I was like, I was like, what's the point of making that distinction? That was that was kind of my first thought. It's like. Were you like, why, why are you feeling almost challenged by God in the sense of like, no, it wasn't him, it was us. It seems like a weird kind of competition to be in, you know. Um, but honestly, I thought Bishop Barron's response was pretty good because he said, he said, God is not a competitive being with us. You know, it's not like there's an order of beings. And so there's like dogs and then, you know, tigers and then people and then this and that and then you know all at the top of and the chain and then tiger kings and, and then, then tiger people. kings and you know and then whatever carol baskin did not do this <laughs> yeah no she this one she's innocent um but it's like yeah. you know like like it's it's not a competition among beings and god's like at the top god, god is is sort of like the act of to be itself right he is he is in like in him and through him we all have our being so it's it, it you know, basically, Bishop Barron is saying it'd be, it'd be kind of theologically inaccurate to look at God as like the top being among all of these different types of beings, and therefore, like, no, 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 he wasn't involved in that. We did that. We get the credit. It's like that's the wrong way of looking at it. I would have probably said, well, um, isn't it possible that that God, you know, gave everyone the grace and strength they needed to to complete whatever task they completed in order to help bring it down, bring the numbers down? You know what I mean? Like, why why remove God from the equation when when I think uh, he's the giver of all good gifts and, and anything that we do that is, uh, you know, heroic, I think in, in, in some sense we owe to, to him and his creative power, you know, because like Bishop Barron would use the, uh, the examples from St. Thomas Aquinas for the arguments of God's, like proof of God's existence, you know, so he would say like, um, there's the argument from desire. So like you have, you have desires and those desires kind of prove that like the fulfillment of that desire is is a real thing. So for example, you know, you have hunger and your stomach like growls when you're hungry and you have a mechanism inside your body that digests food and processes it and gives nutrients to your body. So all of that stuff points to the existence of food because if food didn't exist then none of that system would make sense. Same thing with your mind, you know, you have curiosity, you have a brain that wants to learn things um, and, and, and that proves that there is knowledge to be gained because if there was no such thing as knowledge, then you wouldn't have a curious brain that wants knowledge. So he said it's the same thing with, um, with a desire. We all have a desire for infinite goodness and beauty and love, uh, the kind that never fades away, the kind that lasts forever. And he said if we have that desire, then it is proof to us that that, that desire must be able to be fulfilled. In other words, there must be a God. There must be a heaven. You know, there must be a... Anyway, there must be there must be a fulfillment to that desire. But then, and then the other argument that he used was, I, I could be butchering the words again. Like I'm working on the reading thing, but the uh, like the desire from 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 efficient causality. So basically, like everything has a cause. Everything has something that that came before it that made it. And then he kind of boils it down to where it's like, but but God doesn't. God is the unmoved mover, right? Like God is God is the creator. He's not just the 
the top creation. He's the creator. And so surely his hand is in everything. You know, and so if you see if you see a group of people heroically respond to the needs of their community and lay down their lives and and sacrifice, I think I think God's fingerprint and the way that He designed us is all over that. So to say that God didn't do it is pretty short sighted. Uh, that would be that would be my take anyway. Father Sean, do you having been in like college campuses and and things like that? Do you would you say that that statement like a lot of people would agree with governor cuomo when he says that kind of thing or what would you say in terms of the your your pulse on the people i don't understand your question can you repeat that again like would you say that most people would agree with governor cuomo saying that yeah we did it god didn't or do you think more people would disagree with this statement in this part of the world i would say most people would probably agree with him elaborate because I think a lot of people here don't believe in God. So do you? So I, I, I think that most people like I, I see a lot of people comment on things like, oh, when there's like a shooting, it's like stop. We don't want your prayers. We want action. Mm. But a lot of the people who say things like that don't do anything either. Like tweeting something is not an action, right? Like you're not you're not accomplishing social change by tweeting something, right? So. When I was thinking about what he said, one of the things that I think he might have meant by this, which I, I don't agree with it anyway, for all the reasons that um, were explained before. Um, but like in the sense that if we start saying it's a miracle, could he be afraid that, oh, it was a miracle so we could just go back to normal. We don't have to do this anymore because God saved us. So we're OK. Mm. But that's still a false understanding of how God works, too. Right. So like if God gives us science, God gives us things that like, you know, um, I, I was sick in January. I took medicine. I got better. Is that to say that God didn't do this? The medicine did. Right. Like, no, God helped me get better, too. Right. Um, so and God was a part of it. God created our intellect. So everything that comes from our intellect ultimately comes from God. So right. this idea that. You know, and, and I think that's a misunderstanding of, of, of faith and, and people's faith to begin with. Like, if I thought that the miracle occurred, I wouldn't say, no, now let's act recklessly because God's going to save me. And nowhere in our theology does it say that. Like, you could do whatever you want because God will protect you. Right? That doesn't, that's not real. You know, God never promised that we won't suffer. God never promised that things won't go wrong. And... I think we have a lot of people that look at prayer as inaction, that if we're praying for something, we're not doing anything. But that's not true. You can you can pray and do things. But um, like and when we look at something like this, what what can I actually even do? Right. What can I possibly do? So I, I'm not a doctor, so I can't come up with a cure. Right. I'm not a, a nurse, um, so I can't help people. Uh, or a doctor treating patients. I can't do those things. I'm not a fireman. I'm not a cop. I'm not an EMT worker, right? So what is it that I can do to stop the coronavirus? I could not interact with people, right? Social distancing and all that kind of stuff. So in a, in a certain sense, by doing nothing, I'm doing something. And I can pray. 
that you know people will find a cure that those you know mark ruffalo and morgan freeman and jessica chastain could all uh, work hard together and ken watanabe to find that cure you know like that's we can we can pray and prayer is an action right um and one of the lines i hate in the movie sister act are these contemplative nuns say we're not we don't do anything and they want to do all these projects in the community well then those contemplative nuns should have joined a different order that does work like that right but if you if you're a car if you're a carmelite and you're cloistered and you pray that is what you're doing that is the activity that you're doing and prayer is is enough and if god moves your heart to action and gives you that that the stuff that we can then do right like if somebody's praying you know send me god what can i do and then has the opportunity to to do something okay great but some people are not going to do that right like our aunt our great aunt is in a nursing home and can't do anything right she can't go outside she can't walk she can't do the things but she can pray she can offer offer up her sufferings right she can do all these kind of things uh, you know so i i just find that a lot of people look at prayer as somehow like a cop-out now, do people use prayer as a cop out? Yes. Right. Like if you say something like you're going through a hard time and rather than me wanting to talk to you about it, I just say I'll pray for you so that I can end the conversation. Yes. Then prayer is a cop out. And then if I don't actually do it, but if you're actively praying with people or for people and, and, it, and, it, and you're actively praying for a cure and all these other things, then you're doing something and accomplishing something. So all the people who were praying that things get better, we could have done all this social distancing stuff. We could have done all of these things and it still wouldn't have worked. And then what? Then it's God's fault because it didn't work. You know, like we can't look at it from that perspective. Mm. Nolan, you brought up a, a question before in via text message about any specific saint that you've been praying to who who would your answer be well that this that's um really related to just the whole situation of being quarantined in this like irregular situation and you know i was just i know i know we all have our favorite saints and i just was just wondering like if, if anyone had any good go-to's right now personally um for this time and and to get you through this period i for for myself it's um it's Jose Maria Escriva, just because he um, speaks about um, you know sanctification in the little in the little things in life, and and uh, you know that every moment of every day is an opportunity to grow closer to God. And I think, uh, for me, just personally, again, that's just something I need to hear and be reminded of because it, you know, I, I half jokingly said before I think we we recorded that I was you know feeling like really listless and lethargic and. You know, there there is some truth to that, and uh, there's been some some times where I've, you know, just because it doesn't feel like I'm doing anything, it, you know, even if I am working, even if I am doing important stuff, I think um, he's he's got to interrupt every time. <laughs> it wouldn't be every time if he did it. It wouldn't be, um, and I I just think that. Um, that what what uh, what Escriva reminds us of is that the very little things in our life, like our moments, are every moment of every day is an opportunity to love God better, to serve Him better. And right now, if all you can do is be home and 
<laughs> you see him peeking out the back. Uh, <laughs> as uh, all he could do is 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 pray, is offer some some small prayers, is be the best husband or father you can be, is be the best. Um, you know, is put a lot of effort into doing things around the house, into um, you know ordering food for your family online, things like that. Then then do that with the. You know the best you can do that, and that's that's sanctifying, and that means something to God. Dom, would you say you have a, a go-to saint during all this? Yeah, kind of my go-to saint for for a while has been Saint Therese, uh, the little flower, because she was the she was the patron she is the the patron of missions. You know, she's a patron saint of mission. I think maybe her and uh, who is it? Her and Saint Francis Xavier, maybe. There, there's like there's like two patrons of missions. And she, she's the patroness of missions and never left the convent, basically. Like she, you know, we, we always think of missions as, as one specific thing, as going to the ends of the earth. And like that's what it is to be a missionary. But she is, is, is an amazing, was an amazing missionary and kind of serves as like this patroness of, uh, of missions and yet never left the convent. So I see that as her using whatever situation she was in to still answer the call from God on her life. You know what I mean? So just because she never left the walls of the convent, basically, doesn't mean that she did not um, reach the ends of the world with the love of God, you know? And so for me, it's always, she, she's been an inspiration, especially in this time, because all of the normal things in my life and ways that I feel like I accomplish what I'm here to do, they've pretty much all been stripped away but she didn't let that keep her. She didn't let these same restrictions basically keep her from, from being a missionary and from being a really effective one too. So I always just kind of lean on her, you know, and ask for her help to figure out like, okay, so this is a, a different season. Now it's not as important what kind of events I'm speaking at. Now it really is all I can do is be a good neighbor and a good friend and, you know, especially a good husband, obviously. My wife is, is stuck in the house with me um, you know, for like all this time on end. So I, the, the best thing I can do now is, is try to answer the call to holiness on my life the best I can in this scenario, which might mean like, you know, not stabbing somebody in the grocery store aisle if they're heading towards the same <laughs> roll of toilet paper. I am. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just looks different now, but it doesn't mean that there isn't still an invitation from Jesus that we should, that we should accept, you know? So St. Therese would be my answer for that reason. And as, as your actual neighbor, Dom, I can assure you, you are a good neighbor. <laughs> Thank you. Like a good neighbor, Dom is there. <laughs> Would you have an answer, Father Sean? I just went to the big guns. I went right to Mary. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> cop out. Yeah. Say that, Speaking that, of cop that outs. All of you are wrong in any kind of way. Uh, but I don't know. I just, that's, you know trying to really be intentional while praying the rosary, uh, saying the memorare a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's just what I've been, hmm. uh, been doing. I've, I've honestly been thinking a lot about Monsignor McDonald too. Just kind of, especially like watching mass and streaming and not being with the Eucharist, just picturing his love for the church and his love for the Eucharist and, just wondering what he would be doing and saying during this time. He, he would probably he'd probably be out there every single day with the the monstrance processing down the streets. Yeah, like I, that's just, that's like I, what I feel he'd be doing. 
Yeah, and he's not. It's that's also a, not a real answer because he's not a saint yet. But when he is a saint, I'm just waiting. Well, he might be, just not what a capital. He's not canonized yet. He's not canonized yet. Yeah, for all we know, he's he's done his three miracles and he's he's on the way. But anyway, anyway, I smell someone barbecuing or having a bonfire in the middle of a 70 degree day here in Nashville, and that makes no sense to me. There's a silver lining. It's it's 60 today in New York, which is pretty good for us lately. There you go. So uh, the silver linings are there will eventually be sports. The Michael Jordan documentary came out two months early, which Nolan's shaking his head. You don't you don't like it? I I just can't bring myself to watch it. It's just gonna be depressing. Yeah. And oh, well, they, they, they haven't talked I'll, too much about the Knicks yet. Are are you a Knicks fan? Nolan? Yeah, that's how I was. I am, and that's why. Like I, everyone's all excited about this Michael Jordan documentary. It's like, what do I want to just see him beat the Knicks a million different ways all over again and relive that? <laughs> they haven't. Yeah, the Knicks are so far irrelevant in the documentary. So yeah, agreed. I mean, I will argue to the death with anybody that MJ is still the best player of all time in that whole thing, but it's because oh, of I, the pun- punishment and torture he uh, gave to myself and many other Knicks fans. See, I didn't watch the Knicks when he was winning championships. Ah. I was I wasn't paying attention yet, so I don't have an animosity toward him the way that you kind of would. Hmm. I, I saw it. I was there, front front row, and by front row I mean my television screen. <laughs> I was gonna say, wow, Nolan. I can't afford Madison Square Garden. I, I didn't. I didn't know you were friends with Spike yeah, Lee. I feel the same way. Uh, I feel the same way because I, I don't have I don't have a hatred for MJ. Even though I was never a Bulls fan, like I miss, I missed that era of him beating my teams. I just felt like I got to enjoy his greatness. Where like other great mm-hmm. athletes, like you know, like Tom Brady, I feel like most people either love him or hate him. But like with yeah. with MJ, he seemed, at least in my mind, he kind of escaped all that. He he doesn't seem like the villain. He just seems like the guy everybody roots for. But I guess I guess if you were really invested during those years, maybe it's different. Yeah, you know what it was for. It was it was so many. I feel like basketball more than any other sport. Like if you were a New Yorker at that time, like at least a, a kid, like I knew so many kids who were like Yankees fans or Mets fans, Jets and Giants fans. Maybe they liked hockey, maybe they didn't. And but then when it came to basketball, they rooted for the Bulls because mm. Michael Jordan. And 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 I just I don't know as 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 a lot far back as I can remember, I hated that. <laughs> So I hated Michael Jordan for it too, but I will say this: he was awesome in Space Jam. That's, that, that's where my affinity grew for him was in Space and, Jam. And and now my kids love it because of yeah. Space that's Jam. That's why I can't I can't hate him because of Space Jam. But I can hate LeBron James because if they make the Space Jam two, there's no way that will be good. So that that can just continue to fuel my hatred for him. I don't hate. It him. might be I good. He's, a, him, he's a talented. He's definitely a better actor than Michael Jordan. What's for dinner? I think that's fair. Chicken and collard greens? Oh, good. I can use a good meal. Quote, Michael Jordan. <laughs> it wasn't a dream. It really <laughs> happened. Quote, Charles Barkley. Um, Larry Bird said something along the lines of that it was... Larry Bird's clear. He's clear. Quote, Space Jam. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. He said something con- something controversial saying... I'm going to bot- butcher the uh, quote, but... He was saying that basically it was God playing basketball in the form of Michael Jordan. 
That's that sounds as controversial as Governor Cuomo, if you ask me. It's just unnecessary. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> which so is Governor Cuomo's comment too. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know it's, if he actually said that, but I, I figured that was a good way to kind of. Right. So so if there's one thing we figured out by this podcast, it's that both Governor Cuomo. And Larry Bird have personal access to grind with God. And, uh, <laughs> f- felt the need to air them publicly. <laughs> Wait, you just said he didn't say that? He said something like that. Yeah, he did. I know. I, I saw it. He said it, it. He said it was God disguised as Michael Jordan on the game when he had like sixty something points or something. Yeah. See. I don't know, Father see? Sean. What would, what would you say to Larry Bird about that? I would say that all of us who are baptized have the holy spirit dwelling within us boom so in a certain sense he's right yes oh wow yeah well, that's not what i was expecting but i would well, love i would well, love to be, be be thought of as just god disguised as me acting and moving in the world that'd be great no one's ever said that about me it's a heck of a compliment i've <laughs> never left a room and Yet. someone said i thought that was god disguised as dom that's never happened you just have to practice your jump shot more dom and then pay yeah. they will. somebody asked me <laughs> I what thought my on screens uh comments were more egregious what'd he say what'd he say he basically compared himself like he, he was like saying that like charles barkley like he, he he accomplished more in basketball than Char- he had more of an impact on the game than charles barkley because of mm. all the championships that he won with the warriors and it was like dude they probably would have won those championships without you or at least some of them hmm. yeah yeah, that's a big yeah, statement. Draymond Green will be one of the forgotten players on that team. Right. <laughs> and Charles Barkley, even though he didn't win a championship, and even though he's a loudmouth, like, if he, you put him on any team today, and he's immediately making an impact. Like him right now? The way he is right now? <laughs> well, yes, but for the that, wrong that reason. That would be an impact, just not the type that, <laughs> no, that would be worth that. No, not the type having. of impact. <laughs> Let's I be mean, honest. Prime. I, I would put the current Charles Barkley on the starting five of the Knicks. That would I'll just take... be terrible. It would be fun to watch, at least for a little bit. It would be fun to watch, but... He would definitely throw up in the middle of the <laughs> 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 He would have eaten, eaten three pounds of kibasi and just went went to play. I don't know why I said kibasi, but... <laughs> yeah, it worked. I don't like the I don't I don't like the comparisons between between the different generations. It doesn't make sense to me. It's, to me, it's just not interesting. Like, who was better, this guy from thirty years ago or this guy today? It's like it was a different game. It, it doesn't matter. I don't I don't understand the point of deciding who was better. I, I don't I've never got it. But I that's like half of what sports shows are. But you know what I mean? Like it was Especially a different now, game. How do you compare the two? You know? It's true. You see the you see the like in the Michael Jordan doc. One thing you see is just how old their stuff was. Like how how like old their shoes were, like the workout equipment they had was like janky, and all the locker rooms are like disgusting. Now they're all in like state of the art facilities. It's like it's like a whole different. You just can't compare the two. You also yeah. you also notice how big their suits were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone wore just really big suits. Yeah, it, yeah. You see you see clips of them, and you just see like Michael Jordan standing there. And the way that his suit is like so much bigger than his body, it looks like it looks like it was a photo of him that he that took while he was parachuting or something. It's, there's like, it's like there's no way he's just standing there and the pants are flowing like that. It just doesn't make sense. Who, who told him that suit would be a good idea? But someone did. I, I watched a video about the advances in technology in sports, and it said that if we had the same tracks and cleats that we have now, that um. 
what's his name would beat Usain Bolt in a race? Carl Lewis. I don't think it was him. I think who was the guy who raced and it, it, that made Hitler mad? Oh, Jesse oh. Owens. Jesse Owens. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. See, it's a whole different thing. You can <laughs> made Hitler mad. Yeah. All go. that to say is that these guys get their talent from God, and they shouldn't compete against God. Full circle. Once again, the podcast went about ten minutes longer than it should have, but we we just reeled it in, right? You that was a good it, ending. You tied it all up. Tied it all up. Dom, do you have anything final to say? Yes, I do. Thanks for asking. <laughs> was there a follow up? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> that was what he wanted okay. to say. He just wanted to say thank you yeah, for asking. Just wanted to thank you, thank me for asking. Oh. Maybe maybe we'll do this again. Maybe we won't. Father Sean's not impressed. He's yawning right now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. I got really tired all of a sudden. I don't I know I have that why. effect on it's people. Cheese. Uh, <laughs> no, my my closing statement was going to be somebody asked me uh, earlier. We were Sarah and I were doing like a live stream devotional prayer thing, and somebody asked me what what's my favorite prayer I've prayed during quarantine, and I said grace. Mm. I just being thankful for every meal. It's like. It's like the most simple. It's the one you do a bunch of times a day, but it's like I've, I mean it when I come back to the table and I'm like, Lord, thank you for this daily bread. Thank you for this food. In a time when a lot of people are like scrambling to find beans, I'm like, thank you that we have food to eat. I've, and I don't even really remember really ever meaning grace. You know, I'm normally not at the table like, wow, thank you for this food. It's normally just like, yeah, obviously we have food, but this season has just made me thankful for the little things. That is a... a- a perfect way to end this. Thank you, Dom. Nolan, I won't ask. <laughs> Father Sean, you want to end it? God bless everyone who listened to this podcast. Amen. You've been listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. See you next time.